0: Good morning, Woodland Hills. Oh, I felt the love from that. Thank you. <laughs> Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, I am Dwayne Polk, and um, I often say this, but I am a son and a brother of this church. Um, I have really been shaped by the love and um, the correction and the care and consideration that I've received from many people in this church. And so this place is very special to me. This is home. So I just feel like I almost want to kick my feet up and just chill and watch some TV. So it's always a pleasure to preach for you, my brothers and sisters. So um, we're going to talk about something here. I think it's very apropos for the time in which we find ourselves in human history. And so um, I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to jump straight in. Let's go. Father, I just pray your blessed presence by your spirit here right now. Father, you've you've already been ushered in through the worship, and I pray that we would just maintain an awareness of your presence. Spirit, I pray that you would just empty me, empty me of all of my egoic thoughts, empty me of anything that could hinder your word going forth. And I pray that you would just pour to filling everyone in here with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might hear and internalize what you have to say. My words have no authority. Your words have all authority. So I pray that you would just strip me away and that you would just use me as the vessel into your glory. Change us, your people, so that we can become like you. As a result of this word, Father, let us not be the same as when we walked in. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, if I had to title this, and I guess I do, I would like to title this sermon, Run for Cover. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Run for Cover. I work at um, St. Joseph's Home for Children. It's on the other side of Minneapolis. And I still live in the east side, so I end up driving sometimes down 94 going there, and it's between the eight o'clock and nine o'clock hour, and so I tuned into Minnesota Public Radio. And one of the shows I listen to every day is called Marketplace. And Marketplace is a show that deals with the economy, it deals with different financial tips, so you can listen to it and just kind of see how the stock market is doing, it's pretty good. In this last week, they've been talking about um, the economic, cur- current economic crisis and the possible $700 billion bailout. Um, And so they were talking to um, a person, they have this thing called the Sloan Sessions. And his name is Alan Sloan and he is a senior editor at large at Fortune magazine. So usually the correspondent will ask Alan Sloan, you know, what's new, what's happening, what's hip. So he wanted to get a kind of an impression of what Alan Sloan thought about the current situation. And Mr. Sloan said, not in his 30-plus years of working in this business, not in 30-plus years of being on Wall Street has he ever seen anything like this. Nothing this bad, nothing this pervasively problematic. It'd be safe to say our, our economy is not doing so well right now. And there's a lot of people doing a lot of blaming, a lot of finger pointing, and it looks like there's more than enough blame to go around, it seems. Tens of thousands of people are losing their jobs. Literally millions, not thousands of people, are affected by the foreclosure crisis, and they're losing their homes and their livelihoods. We have troubles going on in Iraq. We have troubles going on in Afghanistan. We have trouble brewing in Iran. In the aftermath of Hurricanes Ike and Hurricanes Gustav, we have millions of dollars worth of damage, people displaced from their homes. We're talking about a lot of scary stuff here. As my own home church would say, the devil is busy. The devil is very busy. And there's lots of understandable frustration and anger and fear. And honestly, there's a lot of cynicism and scorn and disillusionment with, towards leaderships and systems that have supposed to be supporting people, but instead have been preying on the lives of struggling people. If you kind of look at the news and look at everything, it almost seems like the world as we know it is coming to an end. It makes some of us want to duck and hide and to go run for cover. So now that I've thoroughly made you depressed, God bless you. go pray about it. No. Okay, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to leave y'all hanging like that. We, but seriously, seriously, we are in some deep trials, and we are into some deep stuff here, and I really do believe that the devil is busy. Um, I think that we're at a precipice in human history that if we don't watch it, um, some really unfortunate consequences could happen. So in looking at the scripture, I always feel like it's good to look at scripture. It's like, okay, well, what can help us with this time that we're in? What can give us some insight onto what's going on? And I think I found that scripture in Luke 13. Luke 13. And we're starting at verse 31 and going through 35. And it reads, At this time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go elsewhere. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, You go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So let's talk about Herod Antipas. Antipas. He is the son of Herod the Great. He was a Roman client, king of Judea. And like his father, he ruled by politics and cunning. Even though he was meant to be the leader of the people of God, he identified himself as a Jew it was often just used for political expediency and economic gain. Even though he felt like he was probably doing the best things and the best interests for his people, he often ended up fleecing his own people to death for his own gain and for Rome's benefit. So when I look at this cat, and I'm like, why would Jesus call him a fox? Why not like an anteater or a porcupine or a skunk? You know, something. Like, what's up with the fox thing? Well, when I think about foxes, they are predatory creatures, meaning if you're a farmer and you have like a hen house, you do not want these things around because they will kill. They will be stealthy and sly. And before you know it, they will take out everything that you have. And so whenever Jesus sees that desire for Herod to kill him, he can see some of the foxiness, as it were. Now, some of y'all might have been around for the 70s, and there was a term that was used, and it, it talked about seductiveness and cleverness. Foxy. Foxy lady. <laughs> <laughs> Hendrix, baby. All right, all right. Ha ha ha. Didn't think I knew that, did you? Yes. But anyway. There are lots of, in our, in our fallen world that is ruled by the evil principalities of the air, there are a lot of times that people try to get good ends through foxy means. There's a desire to kill. There's a desire for self-promotion. And sometimes there is this cleverness and there is this desire to be like Herod. Oh, I wish I could walk like that and talk like that and have that power. And that is the foxiness. That Herod Antipas was trapped in. That's the, that is the foxiness that a lot of leaders at that time, a lot of people at that time, were trapped in. So that's why I believe that Jesus kind of saw a fox whenever he looked at Herod. And then talk about hen and wings. It's like who want to call themselves a chicken? Jesus, you're calling yourself a chicken, man. <laughs> But let's look at this. How does a hen protect? It's very interesting. A hen, if a hen sees a, a threat, it doesn't just go over and just try to pick its eyes out. Sometimes, especially when it has chicks like this, it'll do this weird cluck, like cluck, cluck. And the, the little chickens, they hear the mother hen and they come running. And they come running around the mother. And the mother will use her body and use her wings and actually use herself as a barricade between the chicks and the threat. And now Jesus is putting himself in that position opposed to Herod. Now, you want to talk about upside down. Now, Herod Antipas is supposed to be the person to believe in. He's supposed to be the person that has the interests of the people in mind, and he's supposed to be supporting the people so that they can be faithful to God. And this is the person that is preying on people, asking for people to be killed. And the people that is the despised supposed problem in this whole equation is the very son of God, that wants to save people giving his very self. You want to talk about upside down? That is the kingdom. But where could Jesus be getting this from? I mean, yes, it's possible that Jesus was walking down and he saw a farm and he saw a a hen doing that. he's like, hey, I'm going to use that in my next sermon. But (laughs) I'm willing to think that he got this from the scriptures with which he was already familiar. He was a wise, learned man who was most, first and foremost a person of the word. And so I believe that as he looked in the Old Testament, he saw some things that he felt I fit with his messianic identity, and so that's what he was talking from. Let me just give you a couple of these. Psalm 17, Psalm 17, verses 6 through 9, and it reads, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love, you who save by your right hand those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Watch this. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who are out to destroy me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. Now, when we talk about the shadow of wings concept, according to the IVP Bible Background Commentary of the Old Testament, This description of in the shadow of wings is talking about being in the care and protection connected with the covenant, with the deity. That happened in the ancient Near East, and we're talking about the God Yahweh. And so this person is crying out, asking for God's help, begging for God's help, calling on God's help, running, as it were, to the shelter that is God. And all throughout this psalm, you can actually see the same thing about this, please hide me, take care of me, protect me. And they talk about specific ways that happens. There's another scripture, Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, and that word shelter, it can also be translated secret place, concealed place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, and my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Watch this. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Is anybody seeing a, a pattern? Feathers? Again, God is talking about covering his people with his feathers of loving, caring protection. Now, I choose to believe that as Jesus was thinking about his calling and thinking about himself being the Messiah and thinking about the spirit of liberty being on him, he was thinking about this. He was thinking about how the word of God has come forth over the years and called out to his people. Just come and say, run to me. I am your refuge. But we would not listen. We would not want that covenant protection. The very people that he was reaching out to would not reach out for him. Over and over again in the Old Testament, and we see this in the New Testament, he calls out for us to run to cover to him. But we are lured and enticed and ultimately devoured by the foxiness, the foxy things of this world. See, it's almost like you have the chicken and one of the chicks is so busy trying to play and everything like that, he doesn't know the, the cluck because the mother sees the fox coming. So the mother cluck, cluck, cluck. And the chick's like, why is she clucking? I don't see nothing wrong. Ooh, what's that over there? That foxiness. And we are lured by our curiosity into different dimensions of foxiness that end up devouring us. And this is the situation that Jesus mourned back in that time. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long have I longed for you to come under the shadow of my wings? And I, look, I believe, brothers and sisters, as he looks at our situation today, that he is still mourning for exactly the same reasons. Now, could this be? I mean, I've only given you a couple of scriptures here, but let's try to confirm something. Let's go back to the main passage. Luke 13. I told you, you got a lot of scripture. Y'all don't mind, right? Okay, good. Don't want to bore y'all with the word. <laughs> Luke 13, starting at verse, 35, verse 34, going to 35. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Here we go. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this last part, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, actually goes to another Psalm, believe it or not, Psalm 118. Now, check this out. We're going to go straight there. I really recommend reading all of Psalm 118 and all of Psalm 91, but I'm just reading parts here. So we're starting at verse 25. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. You will see a lot of that in that scripture. As I look at all these scriptures, my brothers and sisters, I see a God that is, wants us to stretch out for him. He wants us to say, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success so that we can see and experience his saving power in every one of our broken situations. Let me tell you something. We can trust him. We can trust the spirit of the living God to take care of us when our human systems and our human policies fail us. When you think about human structures, who can we really count on? Lehman Brothers? Bank of America? Having good credit? The only solid, stable protection that we ever have is the Lord our God. It is he that gives us what we need when we need it, if we believe in faith on him. He will protect us, he will guide us, he will lead us. Now while I'm talking about all this, I really think it's pretty clear for me to say something here. Some people might look at all this scripture and all the scriptural promises and the covenant love of God and how he wants to take care of us and make sure that we're not harmed and fall into a form of thinking that might be a little presumptuous. I'm a king's kid. I ain't got to worry about my house or the economy. I'm going to do what I need to do and God's going to bless me anyway. We ain't worried about no foxes bless God. I'm going to go ahead and make the decisions that I make and I'm going to trust God to bless me after the fact. Whoa! (laughs) Check this out. Do y'all remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? And one of the temptations was when Satan took him to the the top of this high place and he said, Hey, throw yourself down. Just throw yourself down. You know, you, the word says he will command his angels concerning you and guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now, do you know what scripture that Satan was using at that point in time? Psalm 91, the exact same scripture that I was just reading from earlier. But Jesus saw through Satan's attempt. He said, no, don't put the Lord God to the test. Don't try to put God's promises of protection and provision into a false sense of security for what you want to do. The way of God isn't always the way of comfort and indulgence, but sometimes it's the way of the cross, which is pain and suffering. It's a blessing that God doesn't overprotect us, if you really think about it. It is only through suffering that we learn the energy and the strength from loving and loving of God. So with all of this, how are we protected? I mean, if we're not just immediately taken away from the threat of physical danger or the threat threat of material loss, how are we protected? How are we sheltered under the feathers of the Holy One? Let's go back to Psalm 91. Told you it's a lot of word here. Let's go back to Psalm ninety one, the very beginning. Whoever dwells in the shelter, the hiding place, the concealed place of the Most High will rest in the shadow, those wings rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My brothers and sisters, I would like to submit to us that the concealed place of the Most High is Christ's very presence by his Spirit in and among us by his presence which cannot be taken away from us. See, I think I remember him saying something about how he would never leave us nor forsake us even until the ends of the age. This is one thing that I understand. Houses can be lost either by hurricanes or by just financial ruin. Jobs can be lost, positions can be lost. People that we love can be lost. But oh no, the holy one of Jerusalem, he cannot be lost. He finds that which is lost. Ultimately, my friends, we are not to put our hope in anything else but the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. We are not to put our hope in any leader. We are not to put our hope in any particular ideology, any particular party affiliation, and definitely no religious belief. Our only real hope is relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the son of the living God. Want to believe me? Romans 8. Let's see this. If God be for us, all right, let's try this again. Neither death nor light, height nor depth, demons nor angels shall separate us from what? From the love of God in who? Christ. Y'all look good to get y'all am in. <laughs> nothing, nothing, no economy fragmenting, no nation fragmenting, no nothing that happens on this earth can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, don't hear me saying something. I know this is a political season, so let me make this clear, all right? I am not saying that a particular person should or should not definitely partake in any political or social platform that we have here. I ain't saying that, all right? (laughs) Whatever party or platform that you do or do not align with, hey, seek God's face, baby, follow your conscience, and do it to death. What I am saying is this. In the midst of all of our storms, in the midst of all of our disappointments, In the midst of all of our life-changing crises, putting our hope in human creativity and human structures is a lost cause. You can have all of the human creativity and all the human technology you want and still have a holocaust. You can have all the human creativity and all the human technology you want and still have pornography addiction everywhere. You can still have genocide, all these different types of things. Only the light of God through his Holy Spirit in Christ can keep us away from the darkness in our own hearts and the darkness that lies outside of us. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he's a Russian survivor of World War II and also survived being jailed in some Soviet Union's gulags. That's their prison camps. And let me tell you something, that is no joke. And he ended up winning a Nobel Peace Prize for his literature. In one of his books he had this writing and it really inspired me and I figured I would share it with you. Here it is. Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor through classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. Please let me say that again. The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. The line shifts. Inside us, it oscillates with the years. And even within hearts overwhelmed with evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. And even in the best of all hearts, there remains an uprooted corner of evil. I think this is just another poetic way of saying the same thing Paul said, how we have all sinned before God and we have all fallen short of the glory of God which means that we all have the same problem with the same solution the protection and the power and the peace and provision that we desperately need today is not found in any party it's not found in the democratic party it's not found in the republican party not found in the green party in the libertarian party the huna kakuna matata party it ain't in any of it. it's in God's party which is God's kingdom of love of peace of righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit give me my hat It's party time! Only what is grounded in Christ will last. And that's what we're talking about here. So what do we do? All right, we've gone through all these scriptures. What do we do? How do we move away from the dangers of the foxiness of this present evil age and move into the shadow of the Almighty's wings? I have three thoughts that I think will help us do that. First, we have to admit our own tendencies to be lured into foxiness. We have to admit our own tendencies and to be lured into foxiness. Again, we all are sinners saved by the grace and majesty of God. And we all have tendencies towards self-protection and fear, disdain, disillusionment. We all have those tendencies and it doesn't take very long for them to come up. Give you an example. During Hurricane Ike, People were coming up from the affected areas in Texas and they were just trying to escape in their cars. A rumor started, true story, a rumor started that they were not going to be able to have gas in a particular gas station. So everybody went to that gas station and instead of just kind of everybody getting gas like they usually get, everybody just started filling up the tank. So guess what? That gas station went out of gas. So then people get on the phone saying, hey, this gas station's out of gas. They're running out of everywhere. You better go. So then one by one, all of the gas stations start emptying of gas. And then there's a gas shortage when there was no real gas shortage to begin with. And someone on the radio I heard said, if people had a little more patience, none of this would have happened. It is very easy, my brothers and sisters, for us to get into situations that raise our anxiety and raise our fear. And we want to run to whatever gives us sustenance. And we drain it, and we do not have the patience and the peace that we need in such a situation. We have to admit our own tendencies towards foxiness so that we can recognize it in other places. The second thing that we have to do is we have to pray for our foxy leaders and establishments. See, let me tell you something. The main fox is Satan here, and everybody is under the influence of Satan. All of these structures and powers and principalities, they're under the the, the force of Satan. And as cynical as we want to be about our leaders, and as cynical as we want to be about the establishment, and, well, you were supposed to do this, and you didn't do this, and now we're all in all this trouble, there's a lot of opportunity for cynicism, there's a lot of opportunity for grudges, there's a lot of opportunity for anger. But I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that we must pray in love for our leaders and our structures. Three reasons. First of all, because God commands it. 1 Timothy 1. We have to pray for our leaders for peace to be coming. Second of all, they need it. These people need it. There's a whole bunch of mess in there that I know I could barely deal with. We need to lift them up so they can have the strength to withstand all of the enticements and temptations of the foxiness that exists there. And the third thing that we have, the reason why we have to pray for them is because they are not separate from us. Those structures are not, sin weaves through the heart of every human being, and that is every leader, that is every follower, every council person, every mayor, it's everywhere. So we are not different from one another. We hold each other up in prayer as we hold our neighbor up in prayer because we are each other's neighbor, correct? So we must pray for our Foxy leaders, no matter how situations are going, no matter how things look, we have to pray for our establishments. Let's look at this. How can we pray for our enemies if we can't pray for our leaders? If we cannot muster up the emotion and muster up the love to pray for leaders who are doing us wrong, how can we pray for our very enemies that would rather see us dead? It's something to think about. So those two things, admit our own tendencies towards foxiness, second, pray for our foxy leaders and establishments, third, and most importantly, take shelter under Jesus' wings through calling on him every day, not every month, not every week, not every other day, every day. It's like this, Romans 12 talks about renewing your mind, right? Imagine that your brain has a set of programs and ask God to reprogram and put a new program in, a program that calls on him like you heard all of these songs, a program that says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. There is an ancient prayer. It's called the Jesus prayer. And it says, Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Can you imagine what would happen if we had that kind of subroutine or that program running all the time? Anytime we felt in trouble, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Let me see your presence. Let me see your power every, every moment. And of course, it's hard to do that at first. But over and over again, it starts to get easier. Does anybody remember when they first got their license? Do you remember how hard it was for you to drive, whether you were driving a stick or a manual, and you just, you know, you just kind of—I kind of flunked the parallel parking, but don't tell nobody. But anyway, I mean, it's barely—you have to think to try to do everything. But over time, and as you do it over and over again, it almost becomes second nature. I mean, sometimes you can get in your car and end up at a destination and be like, "How did I get here?" (laughs) I meant to go to the cub, but now I'm at work. What happened? (laughs) What happened? But that's how our brain is. If we do things over and over again, it becomes habit. What would happen, my brothers and sisters, if we decided to call on God and that was running all the time just like that? It's almost automatic. Somebody curses you out. Lord, come quickly. Your bills are due and the check's not there yet. Lord, come quickly. Until it becomes automatic. Until you don't have to be in a problem to call on God. You're just calling on him all the time. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants us to be under the cover of his wings by his spirit, which dwells in all of us as believers. But we must do this over and over and over again. Why? Because the foxiness is all around us, just like a big matrix. It wants to lure us into our deaths. But we must hear that still, small voice of the mother saying, Come, come so I can shield you with my very body and my very blood. If we, live, if we want to live in the upside-down kingdom that puts away and pushes away from foxy power and foxy uses of power and huddles like the chicks underneath the mother's hen, we have to follow Jesus. We have to seek Jesus. Let me tell you something. I want to be so huddled under Jesus' wings, it's like I'm sucking my thumb, just, oh, Jesus, like a little baby. I want to be that nurtured, I want to be that cared for, and I want to be that leaning on the everlasting arms. That's what I want to do every single moment. And that's what each and every one of us in here can do. That's what we're called to do. Run for cover. There's reason to run for cover. But where's the cover? The cover is only in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'd like to ask the worship team to come up. I'm going to say a prayer here to seal this in. We are the precipice in our nation. We are the precipice in our world. And the main way that we can make the most difference is by submitting everything that we are to the true Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I pray that as a result of this message, as a result of this worship, that we do that. Even stronger than we did when we first walked in here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your covenant love. His love and mercy endures forever. Just thank you for that gushing love. Thank you for your protection and your provision. Because we understand it doesn't mean anything to gain the world and we lose our soul. You are the preserver and keeper of our souls as well as our bodies. So we prayed that this message would just sink down and it would bear much fruit. That it would work the work that you would have it to work. Bless this time, Lord. Bless this message. And give us an opportunity to walk in it almost immediately. Let your name be glorified, Jesus, as we run to you just like the chicks run to the mother hen. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to continue our worship right now with giving. Now, I don't have to tell y'all this, but giving really has little to do with the actual money. It is much more about the heart. We are to give God every aspect of ourselves, even those parts of ourselves that we do not like. And so part of that giving is our opportunity to give our finances, give our monies to situations that God wants to bring his healing power, bring his yoke-breaking power into, And so right now we're going to pray and sanctify this to God and trusting that God is going to bring this right to where it needs to go because the Spirit knows where it needs to go. And we as a body that come together and bleed together and sacrifice together, we make it happen in the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father. I just thank you that we are giving our hearts primarily to you, Lord. We're giving everything that we are. And as, a, as, as an expression that we want to give money, Lord, um, those people that are blessed to give, Lord, blessed they're giving, people that are, don't have it to give, Father, just accept their gift of themselves. Expect, accept all of the gift of all of ourselves, Lord. And I pray that the resources that we collect, Lord God, it goes directly to where you need it. Break the yokes. Heal the lame. Raise the dead. The dead in spirit, raised them through these resources. Empower everything that we do through this, Lord, by your power, in your name, for your sake. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Pray with me. Father, Lord, we've just expressed, Lord, God, our hearts to you this morning. And we're blessed by your presence. Father, I thank you for being here with us, Lord. I thank you for this word that you brought forth through Duane. Father, I just pray that as we leave this place That this experience we've just had would not quickly depart from us, Lord. So we're asking, Lord God, we're begging, we're pleading, Father, don't quickly leave us. Stay with us, Lord. Lord, I, I know that as we leave this place, Lord God, we're going back into the world, a place that's dark. The challenges are all about us. And Father, we just ask, Lord God, that this little glimpse of heaven that we've had today, Lord God, would just stay with us, Lord God, reminding us who we are in you, that there is another kingdom that goes beyond this earthly kingdom, that there is a place that we are going that you have prepared for us. Strengthen your people, Lord God. Instill, Lord God, in us a fortitude, a strength, an endurance to run the race with joy and gladness. Not getting caught up in the physical stuff, in just the stuff. I ask, Lord God, that you would just strengthen us. Continue, Lord God, to sear this message into our spirit, Lord God of your desire for us, your desire to, just like a mother hen with her chicks, just to to bring us all under the shadow of your wing, to protect us, to provide our every need. Lord, continue to remind us of that as we leave this place. I ask, Lord God, for your blessing to be upon my brothers and sisters as they leave this place this morning. Mm. Shine forth your glory, your Shekinah glory on each and every one's heart, Lord, and bless them. Bless them in the wonderful, beautiful, and awesome name of your Son, Jesus, I pray. And all the saints said,